With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Okay, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and uh, Judd Zolgad is sticking around here post-touchdown draft as we are going to dive hardcore into this matchup. Judd, I love this matchup. I think this is a great one to start a season. And I, I know we've talked about some of the similarities of the crazy histories of the Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. But I have Pro Football Focus has this thing where you can click and it shows you the starting lineups for both teams matched up against each other. I'm going to show you on my computer. Yeah. And it, and it just looks really nice. And it's got like offensive line, defensive line. And then you can click and it tells you uh, the matchups the other way around, offense versus defense. And Judd, I just think this one is. Is very close the way that these two teams match up. Atlanta's uh-huh. quarterback's a little better. You know, there's certain positions, but it's a great way to start the season for the Vikings. I mean, this is not one where you can just be like, okay, well, you know, should take an easy win and then we'll move forward with the season. Like, this is a, a kind of a big, important game to start the year. I love it. Do you think that uh, Rhodes is assigned to one receiver this entire game like he used to be, or do you think that's a th- a relic of the past? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with no. I, I don't think he's gonna be just on Julio Jones. What do you think, Alex? Uh, do you think that Rhodes in his current state should do the island thing like he has in the past? I mean, after this preseason, I don't. I want to say no, but at the end of the day, thinking about what Mike Zimmer would do, I think he would probably challenge Xavier to start the game at least following Julio, and then maybe at halftime, hey, listen, we got to make an adjustment, and that's what halftimes are for, making great adjustments like that. Does that happen a lot? I mean, um, tons, absolutely. Well, what, what's that like? It's tough sometimes because you go out there in a game and they'll say, "Hey, listen, these are our bread and butters," and then you come in at halftime and they're like, "Okay, scrap that. Those aren't our bread and butters today." We're gonna ch-. You know, and you're like, "God, we are just messing up." <laughs> and, you know, and, and so instantly they tell you, "All right, all right, all right the whole plan's changed. We're gonna go. Uh, here's what we're gonna do." You're like, "It's us. It's all us." And then everyone starts freaking out. And then they're like, "No, calm down." And you're like, "No, it's us. We're screwing up. We do better." You know, and then it just turns into a whole big fight and it's a mess. But for the most part, when you go in there, they'll say, hey, listen, they, they're running this. This is what we thought. They're running an over. They're doing it. They're running odd on third downs. They're running nickel fronts on these uh, formations. This is what we thought. We're good. We're good. We're going to change a couple things here, and, and then you go out. You have a couple orange peels, and you roll out. <laughs> so in, in that process, then, do you guys break off into groups and, and yes. make changes in individual 
position groups. And how how often does a guy like Zim come in and he's uh, PO'd and just flame the entire team? Does that happen, or, so, or is that a relic of the the you know it sounds good movies or something? So listen, I'm not going to say anything because it's too early. But later in the season, we'll talk about the coaches that used to come in PO'd all the time, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about the coaches that used to come in and actually give constructive criticism. But for the most part, you know, the offensive coaches are always yelling. And don't get me wrong, the defensive coaches are always yelling too, but they get sometimes they get a lot of love. Like if they're doing really well, the defensive coordinator come and he'll be like, guys, we're doing good. We could be thirty five to nothing. The OC's gonna come in, throw his clipboard across the room. What's going on on third down? You're like, Coach, we're ten of thirteen. He's like, We could be better. Throwing stuff everywhere. You're like, dude, what? Aren't we winning out there? Like, what is going on? Like, they'll find the one thing and they'll be like, short yardage. Short yardage. You're like, oh, God, he's going to get it. He's going to get it now. But, then, you know, that's what, that's what half times really are. Whether you're doing good or you're doing bad, they got to come in and give you instruction. Um, that's, that's great. Uh, so, how much can you really change? I mean, it, it, a lot. It, so, you really can, because you guys know the offense so well, just kind of flip on a dime? Yeah, I mean, there was times when they used to put in new plays at halftime. They'd say, hey, listen, we like the front end of this and like the back end of this. We're going to merge this play together. And they'd draw it up real quick, and they'd say, anytime we have an over-bug look, we're going to automatically check into this play, and it's going to be called blase, blase. <laughs> and you would have to know on a fly, Man. like, okay, I got it. It's zone front side. It's split back side. We're good to go. And, and that's why they don't keep stupid players, right? I mean, is that, <laughs> <laughs> now you'd be surprised. Uh, okay, <laughs> give, come fair on. enough. Fair enough. Boone, give me one coach to flipped out. Uh, I mean, you took me down the path. I feel like I'm right there. I'm at the edge of the cliff. Just push me over. Give me one coach. <laughs> no, I can't. You gotta wait. You gotta oh. wait. Because I got some good stories we're going to talk about as the season goes Long on. season. It's a long Very season. Long season. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you know, back to what we were talking about with Julio Jones and Xavier Rhodes. Um, yep. I, I texted you the other day to highlight some matchups that you like, Alex, and maybe you had this one down. But I think it's a great place to start because Julio Jones is one of the best. I have no doubts that he will remain one of the best. And when you review that game from 2017 where Rhodes got a lot of credit on Julio Jones, he actually got beat a number of times by Jones, but Matt Ryan's timing seemed to be off. And I feel like this defense for the Vikings works in conjunction with itself so well. Like the defensive line getting pressure and the yeah. linebackers being great in their, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll impress you, Alex, in their, you know, their hooks and their curls and flat zones and things like that. Uh, right, right. Am I right? Oh yeah, that was that was awesome, yeah. dude. You're on point, bro. You can sit in a meeting. You know exactly what they're talking about. I, I said, yeah, I said something the other day, and Sage was like, "Oh, good for you." <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Oh, good for yeah, this or, guy. or at least I like to go with he's trying. Like the yeah, much you, much less not knows what he's talking about, but trying to know you're what he's trying. talking about. So yeah, you are. anyway, but the point is with this the way that it's been constructed. Um, even if Rhodes does not have a great day, like he didn't against Julio Jones in 2017, that uh, Harrison Smith, your breakdown was great the other day, the pass yep. rush, everything else. I, I feel like you can shut someone down as a team much more than an island. So I, I would still have confidence in the Vikings doing well against Julio Jones. I agree with you, but I still think that this is a team right now that, you know, obviously they're coming back from devastating injuries last year. They're just not the team that they should have been. But I think that, 
a lot of what Julio does this game is going to be dependent on what they do in the run game. If they can shut this run game down and just pin their ears back and sit back and, and go into coverage and let Harrison just mess with them all over the field. Hey, listen, I'm on the left. Next thing you know, he's in the middle of the field. Where did he go? I don't know. You know, that to me is going to show what, what Julio is going to do this week. And, and, and I think, I truly do think that they're going to let X match up with him to start the game. And if things are going well, or like you said, if he's only giving up a couple big plays, but nothing too crazy where it's, you know, touchdown related or anything, I, I bet you they let him just stay the whole game like that. Now, this is an interesting little twist, though, to the Julio Jones uh, situation that we haven't really talked about the fact that he also has a contract issue. And he did a press conference today where he said he plans on playing. So he hasn't even been really clear about this. If he doesn't play, this to me changes the entire dynamic of this game because then you're talking about still having Ridley and still having Sanu and you're a good team. But I look at the Falcons, Alex, as being a team that is so stacked with weapons that Matt Ryan has a ton of places he can go with the ball, but everything starts with Julio Jones. So if he's either not feeling like uh, 100% of Julio Jones or he decides last minute to say, you know what, give me that contract extension or I'm not going out there, that's going to be something to watch as we get close here. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to give them a hard time. I think that some situations call for playing hardball and some don't. I mean, Arthur Blank's already said it. Julio will be a lifetime member here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that they're probably just working on a couple fine-tuning numbers. But for the most part, he's not going to give them any trouble. He gave them trouble last year and was like, hey, listen, I'm not going to show up until I get a new deal. They were like, okay, listen, we'll give you something now. We're going to work on it later. They've already said it, but yeah, what you said. I mean, there's players on this team everywhere, but it all starts with Julio. And when Julio's on fire or they have to double Julio or they really have to watch where he is on the field, it allows for everybody else to open up this offense. And it's, you know, guys like Calvin Ridley are going to be showing up this year. Mohamed Sanu still going at it. Devontae Freeman, Ido Smith. I mean, even Austin Hooper. I mean, he's going to be a big part of this Derek Cutter offense. Rustin Hooper is definitely a good player, one to watch. I was just reading an update, though, from this Julio Jones press conference, which seems to be going on right now, and their team reporter, Kelsey Conway, said that Julio also said he doesn't know if he's going to play on Sunday. So he said that he he plans on it. Wait, what? He said right here from Kelsey Conway, who covers the Falcons for their website, the team's website, Julio Jones says he's trying to be out there, but, quote, he doesn't know if he'll play on Sunday. (laughs) If he doesn't have a new contract, twist. This is a twist. What? I love this league. Yeah, this is so. This is so crazy. Like we were focused on Antonio Brown. I was just going under the assumption, guys, that he was going to play. Yeah. yeah like, why would think, you think he wouldn't? It's all been smooth so far, and they've all been saying the same thing. Oh, where he's going to get paid? He's going to get his money. Like it's not like these other teams, like Melvin Gordon, where they're like show up or don't show up. Yeah, it's your call. It's this has been the exact opposite. He's going to be a Falcon for life. He's mm-hmm. going to be the highest paid. I mean, for him to sit there and say, hey, listen, I don't know if I'm playing. I wouldn't be surprised if today or tomorrow Arthur Blank's like, the deal is done. Yeah, I agree. Done. Yep. Absolutely. Not only that, but yeah. Dan Quinn is probably up there like, please get this deal done. This is my job now, too. Right. In, in a division that's this tough, you can't afford yeah. to play a game without Julio Jones against no. an NFC opponent that you might be fighting for a wild card spot eventually with with the Vikings. Um, so that would be one to keep an eye on. Now, another matchup that I'm really interested in, Alex, and, and you can provide unique insight here, is the young players on the offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons against um, the Vikings defensive line. You know, they, they drafted Lindstrom high, and I don't, I don't know if McGarry's going to play as a starter or not, but um, rookie offensive lineman versus the Vikings does not seem like a favorable matchup on the side of the Falcons. 
on the road, too, in a hostile environment, dude, this is going to be exciting. I was reading about Caleb McGarry today, and they said they don't know if he's going to start. If I'm Dan Quinn, I am not starting him. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest with you. When you're looking at Everson Griffin and, and Daniil Hunter, <laughs> I'm not thinking, should I play the guy who hasn't practiced the last month, or should I? I mean, Tyson Brillo should be your starter going into this game. But even then, you're still looking at a an unfavorable matchup for this offensive line just because I think the you know the way you reconstruct it, you have a rookie right guard, you bring it in a new left guard. You know, I think the Jake Matthews, I think it's time for him to either do something or not do something, but you know, his name can only take him so far and, and while I think he's a good player, I'm waiting for him to take that next step. I don't know if he does it this first week. I mean, this is a tough place to play with the crowd noise. You got Ev all hyped up, you got Daniel on the other side, which way are you gonna slide? It's, it's gonna be a tough week. Is there a spot in your mind that we're not talking about a lot yet in this game that if you were the Vikings concerns you? Um, No, not really. I mean, I think that there's some question marks. I think that obviously this offensive line for the Vikings is going to be you got Grady Jarrett who's coming off a, a big contract, so he's got to kind of prove something. And not only that, but you got Dan Quinn who's got this defensive you know mindset and he's going to have mm. to get this defense fired up if he wants to keep his job. I wonder about the edge rushers of Atlanta. They have the guys who show up every once in a while and get a bunch of sacks. Isn't that weird? Yeah, like you can't just sporadically show up. You have to be the guy that's consistent every week. And people will be like, oh, well, other teams take them out of the games. No, they take themselves out of the games. I mean, no no team's doing anything crazy right now. They're trying with Aaron Donald, and they still can't figure it out. So, I mean, Khalil Mack, they're trying to find ways to stop him. They can't figure it out. So, I mean, for teams are very rarely getting in the way of defensive players these days. So how hard uh, will it be for Garrett Bradbury to match up with Grady Jarrett? Because this one is under um, uh, like extreme watch during the game when Judd and I are up there in the press box and focusing <laughs> on different things. Um, I, I love to kind I'll be of watching Klein, by the way. I, I like to look at specific matchups because you can only watch so much on right. one play. And then we try to catch the replay on the television broadcast and take another look at it. But as you're trying to cover a game, a lot of times I'm sort of focused on something. And Grady Jarrett is a beast going up against somebody who has never taken a real NFL snap, played the a little bit of vanilla time and didn't actually get to practice much against anybody great uh, during the preseason. It's not like Tom Johnson, who you know is awesome, and right. uh, it's not like Linval Joseph was out there a bunch. It was Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mata'afa and Sh- Shamar Stephens, a good player, but like no beasts in practice. And I think this is going to be quite a wake-up call for a rookie here. I think both both sides. I mean, obviously you got Garrett Bradbury on the Vikings side, but then you got Chris Lindstrom on the other side who's going to be playing against Linval. So, I mean... Welcome to the NFL. Yeah. Here are two of the toughest defensive tackles to play against. One from either team. Here, oh, by the way, you know someone's going to have to go on silent count. I mean, it, it's one of those things. I think the thing about Grady that's, that people don't get is how short he is. And that was the same thing with Aaron Donald. The first time I saw him, I was like, wow, this guy is really short. And his... <laughs> I mean, it's like it takes you by surprise. You're like, wait a minute. No, where's the rest of them? Like, I cannot get that low to block this guy. This is impossible. And, and then after you kind of catch your bearings, you, you, know, you have to go to a different level as a player. But 
their quickness off the ball and the stockiness and the strength. You know, these guys are coming out now and they're incredible. And you talk about a Linville, a guy who's strong, not as fast as Grady Jarrett, but still good enough to be out there on passing downs. But then a Grady Jarrett who can stop the run and rush the passer. And oh, by the way, I got to make the calls and I'm a rookie and I got to worry about the snap because my quarterback's already said something. I mean, I just think it's a lot and it's going to be a key matchup this game. So is short not bad then? I think short for a defensive lineman is actually proving to be really good because, number one, they have good center of leverage. And, two, when you go to hit, like, for a tall player like myself, when you're going to hit a short guy, number one, i got to worry about hitting you in the face. I can't even touch you in the face mask anymore. And number two, I got to worry about trying to get down on your level. Like I don't play that low. So when when you play an Aaron Donald, you got to get really low to be on his level, literally. And Joe Thomas was talking on his podcast about going uh, up against somebody who's on the shorter side, and he said it's just it's just unusual. Like you, it, yeah. it's something that you don't usually do. I mean, if you're say in the NBA and you're used to guarding guys at point guard who are six five, and then you play Trey Young who's five eleven, it's just weird. It's like different yeah. different techniques or adjustments in your techniques, and and that definitely gives them an advantage. And and Jarrett was not a high draft pick, I think, because he was short. And it's turned out to be that it's played to his advantage. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Your hands and feet still have to be some of the best in the league to get paid the way he did. But being short is just, it's one of those things where you watch and film and you're like, man, that guy looks really little. But then you see him and you're like, wow, he is really short. I did not think he'd be that short. Now I'm in my mind thinking, am I going to be okay today? You know, it's just, there's so much that goes into the thought process of using short as intimidation. That's a new one. He's too short for me. Well, you're sitting looking at him like, man, if I touch his face mask, I'm in trouble. My hands are naturally going to be in his face mask wheelhouse. And if I touch it, my coach is going to yell at me oh man i mean it's just a mind it messes with you bad so you played from 2010 to 17 how much in your time in this league as well did the quality of interiors guy cha- uh, guys change because defensively i started covering the league in the newspaper business in 2003 and and right defensive ends right that that was yeah. always the talk a, a pass rusher from the right side on the quarterback was a complete pain and the left end might be good and I seem to recall the quality inside guys were bigger. Um, they weren't bad players, but they were run stuffers. But they weren't necessarily across the board in 2003 and four threats to get to, to the quarterback consistently. It feels like uh, 16 years down the road, though, we've evolved now to where right ends are great, left ends can be great, but interior guys also now get a push that probably at one point in the early 2000s they certainly didn't consistently get. Is that an accurate assessment? No, I, I would agree with you, and I think that there's a lot to say about that. Like, we could do a whole show just basically on a, the evolution of a defense because, number one, I think back in the day, this league has changed so much. It's become a passing league. Nobody wants to run the ball because running the ball isn't sexy anymore unless you're Mike Zimmer, and all he cares about is actually winning. So I think that when you look at guys like that, a Pete Carroll and a Bill Belichick, guys that kind of come from this Bill Parcells, hey, we're just going to run the ball and let our defense win the game for us, that's kind of – that's changed. That's turned into, hey, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 50 touchdowns. I mean, 15 years ago, if you just said Patrick Mahomes is going to have 50 touchdowns, someone would be like, dude, you're crazy. Because back then they were throwing, what, 30 touchdowns a year? I mean, it's just become so big and so much that people are saying, hey, listen, we don't need these Warren Sapp big guys in the middle, Pat Williams. You know, I mean, you remember those big 400-pounders. Oh, yeah. Jerry Ball, baby. Yeah. Run stuffer. Never couldn't move, but run stuffer. You don't need him because we're, we're just going to go nickel the whole game anyway, so why don't we bring all pass rushers in? And now, all of a sudden, all these big guys are either becoming super fast, which is 
getting tougher for offensive linemen, or they're just not making it anymore, and they're turning all these pass rushers into three techniques, and, and these guys have these moves. Because I remember, and I came in in 09, by the way. I was, I was still old old man. Uh, when I came in, there was, I mean, guys in the middle, the guards would be like, dude, third down's the best, because they don't, they don't do anything. They just sit there, so we just sit there. And then I remember <laughs> when I left the league, every, they were moving defensive ends in. Yeah. They were moving linebackers yeah. to three techniques. That's what the Vikings did. Yeah, everybody does it now. And I think, you know, we saw a big trend with that with Seattle. And that's who kind of started this. Hey, let's move these guys in. The Michael Bennett's, we're going to put them on the inside, you know. And and those guys took off and now everybody's trying to do it. And there's and they're they keep evolving and doing things, moving guys in different positions for certain reasons, but at the end of the day, this league is really turning into can you rush the passer and can you stop the run second? Um, so here's a stat for you. 34 interior defensive linemen last year had five or more sacks. So more than one per team had five or more from that position. That's uh, that's pretty rare. So before we go to break and look at some other matchups in this game uh, between the Falcons and the Vikings, I want you, Alex, having played against them, to explain the Tom Johnson thing. Because Judd makes fun of me. Other reporters do. But Tom Johnson is awesome. He was Tom. he's awesome dude to talk to and really good at football. And he was playing in the CFL and then ends up being a starter in 2017, significant role player. And I feel like I there are certain things where I'm like, you don't understand. This guy's great. And right. no one gets it or cares. So explain I, Tom Johnson. <laughs> I love Tom. Tom was Tom was great for two reasons. Number one, he had a motor that never stopped. And I remember the year it was 2015, because it was the year before I came here. I called somebody from the Vikings, and I'm not going to say who it was, but it was an old friend. And I just said one question. I said, hey, listen, who's this Tom Johnson guy, and what is he doing? And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, this guy is incredible. Like, he doesn't stop. He's got these moves where he's outside, then he spins back inside, moves back outside. He's got good hands, good feet, but I've never heard of him, never seen him on tape. They're like, dude, that's Tom. Tom's like year 12. He's, he's, he's got a good motor. And I remember playing him, and I was talking to him during the game, and I was like, Tom, dude, you're like – you got it, dude. Like, you're really good. <laughs> I remember I was, like, trying to hype him up because I was like, dude, I really enjoyed watching you on film. And he, I don't know if he knew how to take it from the opponent. <laughs> yeah. Because he was kind of looking at me like, dude, what are you talking I was like, dude, the way you can go from outside to inside, I'm like, dude, that's – you got it, dude. I was like, and you can stop the run. I was like, dude, you're on point. But Tom was smart. He had a motor. He was a great leader. He had great insights. I mean, when you talk to Tom, you – I. I learned a lot from him about defensive linemen uh, just by asking him questions and talking to him. And, hey, Tom, you know, what would you think about this? You know, and he would be like, hey, this is what I would do. And I was like, man, that's really thoughtful. I didn't think about that. Thank you. See, I have been telling people that if I wanted to understand something about football, I would go to Tom Johnson. Mm -hmm. And almost no one would ever go to Tom Johnson, in part because I think he was from southern Mississippi. And it takes you a little while to, like, understand the dialect of southern Mississippi. Um, but, but Tom is so freakishly smart about the game that I would ask him something it might be even a simple stupid question and he would give me such a ridiculously good breakdown I would look at him like wow yeah <laughs> right like you you know the game like he should be a coach now I think I mean he might be done as a player but I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up as a coach somewhere well, there's just some guys that get it, you know, and some guys that work really hard. And he understood it. He was like, hey, man, I got to come out here every day and work my craft. And that was another reason why I respected him and loved him so much was because every day at practice, you knew what you were going to get. Full speed, every single play. He never took a playoff. So, you know, when you look back like week 15 when you're really beat up and you're like, Tom, this is like week 15, man. Let's just slow it down a little bit. He'd be like, no, nah, man, we got to go. <laughs> Like, then right, we got to go. If you're going to make me do this, you're going to make me do this. But it was great. I loved him as a teammate. 
Yeah, Tom is the best. So I'm, See, I'm, Collar, okay, I'm now I believe you. you. Confirm that. I Alex tell, Boone has confirmed it for us. Here on the show, I tell you the truth. If I tell you that Tom Johnson <laughs> The Tom is Johnson awesome, Radio Network. Tom Johnson is awesome. I know, he's not even on the team and they're about to play a game, but I needed to spend some time with that. That's Because I, I knew, like, you and Tom Johnson are like kindred spirits of guys who just love football and love talking about football. So I figured you, uh, you would have gotten along with him. Anyway, uh, um... Well, let's take a break, and we'll get back to... Because I'll just spend the rest of the hour being like, and then he told me about shading this way and that way. And like, um, uh, Anyway, so we'll, we'll come back, and we'll talk about the matchup that um, maybe is the easiest to discuss. The two quarterbacks, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. Uh, a big game for both of them to start the season. We'll do that when we return. Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad, Purple Daily here on Score North. I mean, we had two years there. Uh, my first year, so, you know, as a rookie, you know, you're trying to learn stuff, so... Uh, a bit of a learning curve for him, and um, so I think that's uh, that's huge, and uh, hopefully we can build off of what we have in Washington. That is Josh Doxson there, new Minnesota Viking just this week, and uh, we'll see if he gets in the game on Sunday. Good news for the Vikings is Stephon Diggs was practicing today, so it looks like uh, we could take our hand off the was he full emergency go? button. Yes, he was a full go, so he missed yesterday with... Um, a hamstring seems like it was not super serious, so he'll be out there presumably on Sunday. Um, Julio Jones, now we don't know if he doesn't have a contract. He said he wasn't sure if he's going to play, which, wow. That, Alex is right. Just, they'll have a deal done yeah, in the next two days. That's, that's probably right. By that Saturday. Kinda, that kind of came out of nowhere, yep. though. Um, but, guys, let's talk about the um, quarterbacks here. Matt Ryan, Alex, I think is um, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL because he's not flashy, he doesn't have too many commercials that he does, and he hasn't won a Super Bowl. And it's like, if you win a Super Bowl, then you are like legendary status and you can do no wrong. The fact that his defense blew a 28-3 lead wasn't exactly his fault, but you know that happened. Um, so wait, 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 wait. It's not his fault, but he could have scored at least once more. You That's know who, Let's just say that. But you know, but you know whose fault that really was, though, was Kyle Shanahan overthinking it. They got yes. in field goal range. They have a great kicker. And all you have to do, you have these awesome running backs. Devontae Freeman was a monster that year. Tevin Coleman is really good. Give them the football. Isn't it amazing that the Patriots could have two fewer Super Bowls if people just ran the football? Uh, I know we're not talking about running the football and winning Super Bowls because we were on the four-yard line with two minutes to go to win the game. Are are you saying that you should have uh, the... Ran the ball. Yes, just run. It's not like you had a good running back or anything. Frank Gore. yeah. As you said, it's not sexy now, though. You know what? But that bothers me. It's all about the me. pass. No, but you know what? I, lo- I respect these coaches because they stick with it. It's a proven formula, and they know what wins. Hey, listen, let's wear out their defense on first and second down with these run plays. And then on third down, when they bring in this nickel, maybe we'll run it, maybe we'll throw it. But at the end of the day, we're still going to, you know, I just, I love the old mentality, and I'm, I think it's sad that it's going away. At like, the, the, like the fullback. Like the fullbacks are leaving the game. It's sad to me. There's a Tom Johnson sack that just got the, shown on NFL. The Vikings right aren't, though. Um, C.J. No, Ham, they, no, like the, they no, embrace the fullback. But, but I wanted to mention, though, um, Alex, that at the goal line, inside the five, it is still an efficient play to run the football at the other team. You should probably Thank try you. to spread them out a little bit, if you can, to try and get some fewer guys in the box for the most part. But <laughs> short... Look at you. I know, right? Spread oh, he, them out. He no, just mentioned, guys in the box. listen, guys in the box, <laughs> everybody knows that, yeah, okay? okay let's easy. not give him too much credit, all right? Let's, uh, you're so mean. Let's only throw him a bone when, when he mentions just quickly some convoluted play thing. You know, you got. I got you. I okay. got you. Guys gotta, in the box. Gotta earn every, it. 
All Everyone right. can talk about You're guys right. being how, in. Okay. How about this? If the the money backer isn't in the uh, in the ah, box, then... you lost some points. Oh, <laughs> oh no, there is no uh, money. See, backer. There is no money. Alex backer. Boone got you right there. Now, now they do though when it, the uh, you have the safety up in the box, they'll draw it like a little money. Uh, oh, what the strong safety? Yeah, strong yeah, yeah, safety yeah, yeah. is up in the box. But I, w- I was trying to throw out something that's... This show is jumping the shark at, as Matthew speaks. Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> I don't even know where we were going with that. Yeah, they should have ran in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I've always thought this, and we'll get back to Matt Ryan against uh, Kirk Cousins here. But I've always thought if if you're Marshawn Lynch, you just you can't... You could never get over that, right? Like, no. you, you, you can't forgive anyone involved ever. I mean, it's the most obvious play in the history of the entire world that should have been done. And there's a he's, Vikings tie oh, to it. He's a beat. What is that? Daryl Bevel. Oh, Daryl Bevel. Daryl right, Bevel the was the Seattle OC, and he was the OC right. here under uh, Childress. I, I feel like, Alex, you could just never, ever get over that one. Never. I mean, especially if, I mean, you're Marshawn Lynch. Like, I know that you got to be, like, kind of funny, and I'm sure you're cool with Pete Carroll, but in the back of your mind, every time you see him, you're probably like, dude. I could have had a ring, but no. Yeah, they called so him Beast Mode. I mean, just give him the football anyway. Uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan, though, uh, yes. your thoughts? Uh, I agree with you. I think he's a very underrated quarterback. But to be an underrated quarter, you're underrated for a reason. Is what I'm saying is that when you are underrated, it's because you haven't won a Super Bowl. You've maybe gotten your team there, or you've gotten close. But at the end of the day, you're only really a good quarterback if you can lead your team to a Super Bowl, because that's how you're judged by... And I know it's kind of messed up, because not a lot of people have Super Bowls, but for the most part, everyone's going to say, like, oh, he's so... Like, Dan Marino, everyone's like, man, he's so underrated. Dan Marino was awesome, but he never won a Super Bowl. And that's how I feel about Matt Ryan. He's a good player. He knows what he's doing. He can get his team into the right play, and he can, he has a great ball, beautiful ball. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be underrated until you win the big one. What's the key in, in your mind when you see a quarterback come into a, a place like this? Because if they're flustered, it's just clear, and, yeah. and it looks like hell. It looks yeah. like absolute hell. You know, Flacco a couple years back was helpless here. Uh, but when you see a guy like a Breeze or, or an upper echelon quarterback come into a building like this and it's absolutely you know going crazy, yeah. and they make the plays to shut the crowd up, as a player, what did you see as the intangible that allowed them to do that? Because that, to me, is among the most impressive things in an opposing dome where it's just absolutely going nuts, and they make those plays and zip-zam, boom, they're going down the field, and everybody, and everybody, zip zam boom. That's the no. technical term. And everybody just shuts up. No, it's just and you were impressed with me. It's incredible to me. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I, I love it. Know, I think a lot of people would call that a clutch factor, but to me, and this is, it's going to sound cliche, but it's their confidence. You know, they've done it so many times in practice, and they believe in themselves so much. That you can see those guys. You know, I can name so many quarterbacks that I've played with that had so much confidence that you could feel it from the huddle. The way when we were on an opposing team's field and when we were in Seattle and the ground would shake. And just the way Kaepernick, when he was rolling, was just so confident in his abilities. And he'd be like, hey, listen, you know, this is what we're going to do today and, and this is how we're going to do it. And it would kind of bring you up. You know, you'd be like, man, I'm feeling really good right now. Like, I'm looking at you, you feel good. You're right. When you see a quarterback in an opposing stadium and he starts to kind of wig out, you're like, dude, it's going downhill quick. <laughs> like, there's, you're like, dude, somebody save him because if you don't grab him now, he's gone for the rest of the day. And I'd see quarterbacks flop, and you'd be like, oh, boy, 
It's only the first quarter. We got a long day to go. And, and you know, who, that was Ryan Tannehill last year, where oh, it was. Oh yeah, it We've was. Seen that. Yeah. It was so. I, I mean, with this defense in that building, I've seen it probably a half dozen times, if not more, where it's very clear right from the very beginning. Oh, this quarterback doesn't want to be here. And even Matt Stafford last year, when he got sacked ten times, this guy does not want to be playing in this football game right here. And that is an amazing thing that I think the combination of having a great defense and, an, and a great stadium does for this Vikings team where it is a massive advantage. And that's why what Drew Brees did in the Minneapolis Miracle game in the second half, Alex, is probably the greatest quarterbacking I've ever seen in person in my entire life. And it was almost a shame that Drew Brees lost because the noise in that place at that moment, it's vibrating the stadium. And you have this defense with all the talent. And Drew Brees was totally unshaken and makes a throw to Alvin Kamara that beats Eric Hendricks by just an inch over his fingertips. <laughs> that was It's just like, what just happened there? And, I mean, with Matt Ryan, I think he's very, very good and is an upper echelon quarterback. But I want to see him in this environment because I think it's a true test of quarterbacks. I agree, and and you know it's funny is I've played Matt Ryan in the NFC Championship, and they were up like twenty one to what was it twenty one to three on us. Oh, that's right. And we went into halftime, and it was the same thing. And so I've seen Matt kind of lose his stuff firsthand. And when you see guys kind of start to lose it, you see them lose their teammates, and you see their teammates kind of getting frustrated around them. And to me, a good quarterback is someone that can calm everybody down at once, can be like, hey, guys, listen, we're good. And everybody believes them. It's not like one of these phony, hey, we're good, let's just keep moving, don't worry about that. We read through that real quickly. When you're really concerned or you're really like, hey, listen, we got to fix this problem, the guys around you will gravitate towards you and want to be with you. So, you know, I think that, like you, he's an underrated quarterback, but at the end of the day, you have to win a Super Bowl to get that. He's a really good quarterback. Wait, okay, you're going. Were you, were you describing Matt Ryan or yeah. uh, Kirk Cousins with the uh, losing yeah. the teammates which is around another, you? Which is another oh. crazy thing because when you were talking about how this game is so evenly matched up, like these quarterbacks, both of these quarterbacks, I look at the same way. Now, I think that Matt Ryan is a, is a step above Kirk Cousins just because he's been mm-hmm. to some bigger games and taken his team. Not that he's the whole reason, but he has taken his team to, deep into the playoffs and to a Super Bowl. Not that he won it, but. You know, that separates those two guys. But at the end of the day, they are very evenly matched up. Can you, as a quarterback, um, Alex, can you develop that skill that, that you just talked about if you if you weren't born with that skill? And, and I don't mean athletic ability. I mean what you're talking about, which is, which is you're playing guard for me, and you look in my eyes and you see I've got this. And you think to yourself, okay, he's got this. If you look in my eyes in 2016 – and I don't got it. Can I have it by 2018, or is that just a, a God-given gift that some some people have and some people don't have? No, you can absolutely get it. I think a lot of it comes from the coaching around you. I think that if you take to the coaching around you and it's uplifting and positive and you truly believe what these coaches are saying, you can absolutely gain that. I mean, that's just confidence. I mean, that's just the ability to go out and practice, make mistakes, and say, hey, listen, I made a mistake. Here's where I went wrong, but you know what? I wanted to try it. So I'm not worried about making those mistakes. You know, you see quarterbacks sometimes in practice, they'll throw an interception and they get really down on themselves. Like, God, I shouldn't have done that. And you're like, hey, it's just practice. Like, we're all learning out here. Like, that's just for you. No, no, I shouldn't have done that. Like, you see them beat themselves up mm-hmm. over the little things. And you're like, this is this is not good. This is not going to end well for anybody. So um, then Cousins ripping his helmet <laughs> off and throwing it at practice then and crossing his arms and standing away from everyone wouldn't be a, a plus? No, I, I think that, you know, practice is so underrated because people, like, they, they – 
they're so open now, right? And everybody goes to practice, and so they, they judge everything by one practice instead of sitting back and going, oh, man, these guys are just trying all new crazy things today because it's practice, and that's mm-hmm. what they do. So I think that when you do lose your mind in a practice, that to me is a bad sign because, number one, you're supposed to fail a little bit out there. You're supposed to, hey, I'm trying this. I need to do this. I want to work on this, so I'm going to fail a couple times. It's the guys that freak out that you're like, man, this this is not good. This is not good for anybody because if you're going to do that in practice, imagine when all the pressure's on you in right. the game and you got everybody looking at you like, hey, man, we're good, right? And you're saying yes, but your eyes say no. I've seen that a couple times, especially hmm. with some head coaches where you're like, no, really, you meant to say no, right? Like, you're good? <laughs> We're good, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, you. that's why, to me, sometimes these guys take the things a little too far, and then when they get in the game, it just explodes. Yeah, and it's also why um, you when you see videos during the first days of training camp tweeted out, you're like, oh, this guy got burned on that one. Like, I hate that. Yeah, don't do not do that. Um, no. or, or don't care about that, I guess. If you want to just... Like know for sure that they're actually practicing, and here's video evidence. Then that works. But if you're trying to judge anything, I'll, I'll see people. Uh, I don't know if you know what quote tweeting is, Alex, since you're not on it. But people no. will will take these videos and try to like break them down and be like, "Oh, well, he lost his technique here." And she's like, "What are you talking about? This you, is day three of camp. It's so. the first playback from like a six month off period. Like you really think? I mean, it just like I remember everybody was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and how." He threw five picks in a practice. Oh yeah, like, that's right. I was like, man, it's a practice, like <laughs> not a game. Cares? Yeah, yeah who, who, who you cares? go AI. We're really, oh, I know. I knew it was going to lead into that. It had to. It had to. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get on the record here with what we think is going to happen in this game when we return. Alex Boone, Judd Zelgad, you're listening to. Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Three forty-three here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Quick one here. Football is finally back tonight. We've got Packers. We've got Bears. We've got an NFC North battle tonight on NBC, I believe. So it should be a good one. Who are you thinking is going to win that one to start off the 2019-2020 NFL season? Let us know over. At Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, Matthew Collar, Judd Zelged, and uh, Alex Boone. Okay, guys, this uh, we've waited a very, very long time for this football contest. How do we see this one playing out? Because, I mean, I think that um, the Vikings, because of the home field advantage and just a stronger overall complete roster top to bottom, especially if Julio Jones either doesn't play or has been sitting out long enough to have a little rust, that I I think the Vikings, this uh, Alex, should be one that they win. I agree. I just read, though, that, that he does plan on playing. So I've Julio. seen I've seen him saying both he does plan on it and also yeah. he doesn't know yet. So. It said that he said he doesn't know in the beginning, but he later clarified. Oh, okay. And I still agree with you, though. I think that this Vikings team from top to bottom is better suited to win this game. You're at home. You know, you're coming in. I know that, that 
for me, the biggest thing is the trenches. I always look at the trenches, and that's going to tell you a lot of the game. Now, when the both trenches are matched up, that's when I go to like quarterbacks and then receivers and who the running backs are. But for the most part, I think the Vikings have this one. 21-17, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I'm giving you a score. Okay. 21-17. Ooh. You know, the Vikings' defense, I think, is still fine. Now, the corners, okay, the roads thing concerns me. But I think that the defense is going to be okay, especially in week one. I think they could score 21, right? That's not asking a ton. I'm not asking them to score 35 to 42 points or something like that. So I think it's nip and tuck. I don't think it's easy. But uh, if they're going to win the Zolgad predicted 10 games, I think I, need, I think I need them to get this game because week two in Green Bay, I am not sure about. So I'm going to go Vikings victory, yeah, too. I think I'm they, Boone. And they really need it if they're going to get to the Alex Boone 11 wins, which was a very uh, optimistic He's with Cronin, huh? Yeah. yeah we did it. Uh, we ran through. Because that's what we're going to do since players, usually in media, hate doing predictions. That's what you have to do all the time now. I hated it. Well, now here's my question. If, say, say maybe Middle of the year, am I allowed to go back and change maybe the last eight if I want to? Uh, no, no, you, you got to say. Actually, what we well, like, can re-predict what, for a second what, bite at the that's apple. That's what I love to do, though, Alex. Why is not? that like when we get a go. couple of weeks into the season, you you could do it again. Like, yeah, okay, I want to. now you get a sample size. We're two weeks in. Let's pick the rest of the schedule, see where it lands. We will definitely do that throughout the year. Um, now. What I'd like from a Viking standpoint here is that for the most part, and, and like throw out that third preseason game mostly, okay. um, for the most part, what I saw in training camp practice on a day-to-day basis was Kirk Cousins looking very comfortable in Gary Kubiak's offense. And I cannot say that for last year in training camp. Most of us walked out of training camp last year for the Vikings and said, if they make the playoffs, we'll be a little surprised. Because Tom Compton was playing left guard, and boy did he try. But... Right. It was not successful. And uh, you had uh, Pat Elfline struggling, coming back from the injury, and it was a mess. And then you had an offensive coordinator who is still getting little subtle jabs taken at him. And I forget who it was the other day. Maybe it was Cousins who mentioned, like, yeah, when you're pulling stuff out of the very corners of the playbook, you can confuse people. That was Kirk, yes. It was like, oh, I wonder who you're talking about here. Uh, But I, I think that last year we saw it. How many times did Cousins take a snap and throw it somewhere and there was nobody there? And then they kind of looked at each other like... Was that you? Was that me? Was that John D. Filippo trying to be the next McVeigh? Like, what was going on there? And with Kubiak and Stefanski, I think they understand that this offense is going to be best when run a lot more simplified to just do what they do and uh, beat other teams with their talent. Absolutely. I mean, it's the traditional Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense, which Kirk's obviously familiar in. He's comfortable in it. Bring him back to it. I hate when you try to bring a coordinator in that doesn't belong with a certain quarterback and you try to make the relationship work because at the end of the day, what you should be doing is trying to make your offense around your quarterback. I mean, he's the centerpiece of your offense. Why are you trying to change who he is to the offensive coordinator who's not even out there throwing the passes? He's just telling you where to throw it. I mean, that always bothered me. So I think that this system definitely fares better in Kirk Cousins' uh, comfortable meter and where the rest of this team, this offense fits. I mean, they're they're – they're a true zone team. I mean, you have one of the better zone running backs in the NFL. You can make up for it on, on the back end with the passing game and the play action and the rollouts and, you know, everything. This is the, the offense that they need to be in. So knowing what you do about this team and franchise and coaching staff and players, how surprised were you when you watched a lot of 2018 play out 
and, and they were trying to uh, put so many so many pieces together that seemingly didn't fit. You know, I, I know they paid Kirk a ton, but they asked Kirk to do a lot of things that Kirk probably does not do well. And, and right. you can pay him you can pay him a hundred million dollars, and he's not going to do them well. How much? Because I think in our business and fans started to look at that and watch that, and we're relatively confused. As a guy who knows this team and played the game, were you confused as well by what they were sort of asking people to do, which didn't seem to make sense? No, it was the traditional coach, I'm going to change this team, watch my philosophy work. I mean, I saw it happen with another OC, and I'm not going to name his name because I'm curious to see if his system's going to work this year. But I saw an OC try to change our system from what we truly were, which was a tough-nosed team, into this fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants, I'm going to go five wide receivers and a quarterback that can't throw for anything, but we're going to just make it work. And You see things like that happen, and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to be like the rest of the league? What yep. you should be doing is trying to make your team great, letting them do what they do great. Don't try and change Kirk Cousins year seven of his pro career. That is not smart. That will never be a smart idea because at the end of the day, he is who he is, and you're not going to change him. You're not going to change these receivers. And for the most part, what he was trying to do was, hey, listen, we can we can hang with Tom Brady and do the fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants offense, too. No, you're not. You are a physical, run-the-ball-down-your-face team, and that's what you should be doing. And when you start doing that, then all of a sudden the play action, the simple plays open up, the gimmick plays open up, everything opens up because everyone's so afraid that you're going to just kick them right in the face that they're like, we cannot get beat on the ground no matter what. We can never get beat on the ground. I'm, Je- I'm Googling the same new thing. offensive like, coordinators who, in 2019 hmm. that Alex Boone might know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Don't do it. We, oh, don't do it. I'm already do doing it. it. What do you mean? What? You're tempting me. Now, I will tell you something, Alex, that players oh, players <laughs> at podiums and things like that, they go up there and sometimes they're like, yeah, I just threw a clever jab. The media will never catch it. And we go Always back to the, and we go back to the media and we're like, oh, man, just crush that guy. Like, yeah, we, yeah, we, we usually can figure it out. Uh, okay, so we'll get you on this at some point here. Um Wait, get me on what? Now, I've, well, you're you're saying that you don't want to tell us which oh, offensive coordinator came into a team that you played simple. for and tried to change everything. Now, this wouldn't be Greg Roman because he's good at stuff, right? Let's see. <laughs> Listen to him playing Kawhi. Mm. I can hear or the smile behind the mic. See. Or was, or it, was Greg it Greg Roman? Okay, all or right. Wasn't he in charge when? Uh, was the, wait now? Yeah, just no, for Greg, clarification, Greg was Roman this was in charge of the twelve and four year in San Francisco? Was yeah, this? But then he was also in charge of the year that we were not so good. Yeah, that's true. Because we had to go five. Now, he, and he is new offensive coordinator in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. This this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you might be on now, something. Th- now, actually, this is interesting because I feel like uh, even when he was in Buffalo, when he first got there, they did a lot of good things with Tyrod Taylor, and then they tried yeah. to change them. Right. And See? then they lost. So I think they're, that they're my constantly. reporting instincts here have pinpointed yeah. the offensive they, coordinator. It's like they're always trying to do too much. And that was the first thing with Filippo was you could see it because you're like, listen, this is not the offense that we want to be doing. We don't want to be doing a seven-step drop. This is not who we are. We are a hand the ball to Dalvin Cook or Latavius Murray, and we are run it down your face. We're going to beat you up as much as we can, and then we're going to roll our quarterback out and hit you with a 20-yard dig. I mean, that's the game, and that's fun for us because at the end of the day, we're doing what we're good at, and we're not trying to stand back here and say, oh, look at us, we're Tom Brady, we're going to get the ball out quickly, when really you can't count on the 
Laquan Treadwell all the time. So really, <laughs> you're not going to be like the Tom Brady's of the world. I'm sorry, you don't have a third receiver that you can throw it to or a fourth receiver that's reliable like that. So at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at these offensive coordinators and you're thinking, what are you doing? You're trying to make this team too much around you instead of making it around the centerpiece of the team, mm-hmm. which yeah. has always kind of dri- drove me nuts. And even last year, by week, I want to say three or four, before even stuff hit the fans, say Rosenfels was saying, this put Cousins in the shotgun all the time thing is really goofy. And then when they go play Chicago, it's Riley Reef versus Khalil Mack. That's all, one of the craziest things long. I've yeah. seen and it was like, yeah. ever. Help this but man. You know why? It's because <laughs> all these people that are supposed to be helping Riley, though, uh, listen, I'm Vic Fangio. I'm the smartest defensive coordinator there is in the NFL today. Let me see. You're going to use Rudy to chip, so now I'm going to bring the guy that Rudy's responsible for. I'm going to bring him off the edge. Now you're going to use the back to chip. Well, now I'm going to bring the guy that the back's responsible for. I'm going to bring him up the middle, so now your back can't go out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there has you have to be more creative than other people in this league. And for me, when you're looking at offensive coordinators, they're not catching up with the defensive coordinators in some aspects. And it's like, how can you guys not see this? Like, yeah. you are, You're blatantly just expecting us to figure this out when you're the answer, not us. And I think this is the biggest reason that the Vikings offense takes a significant jump this year is because Gary but, Kubiak doesn't mess around like this. To Boone's point, it drives me crazy because how many coaches and coordinators have done exactly what you say, and how can they not learn? This right. is what This is yeah. what I don't get. I don't right. understand guys who, who come in and say, my system works. Childress. Childress ca- yeah. came in and said, the Philadelphia system works perfectly here. And you're like, well, no, it's got flaws because your personnel doesn't match it, and, Brad. And, right. and DiFilippo right. would say things at the podium like, oh, we're using everybody to their strengths, and then just not do it. <laughs> um, so it was, yeah, that was a, a wild situation to follow last year. And I don't think we're going to have that same thing with uh, Stefanski and Kubiak. Alex, awesome stuff today. I wish your uh, touchdown team the best all season long. <laughs> No, he doesn't one bit. His team stinks, though. How did you get such a bad team? You're supposed to be an expert. will be great for you. So, you have two um, Bengals. Oh, my God. You took Joe Mixon. Someone will you're, score. You're supposedly a man of principle. You're going to play a whole season. I'm the scumbag on this staff, not you. <laughs> great stuff, Alex. We yeah. will talk to you uh, next week, man. Thanks, guys. All right, and uh, I'm going to stick around a little bit. We'll do a little roundtable talk with uh, Zolged here. So we'll be right back. It'll be Mackie and Judd with Rami with uh, me also. We'll be back. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.